Joe gave me some like little highlights to look at, um, but my dog chewed them up. So, <laughs> so um, I'm doing it based off of the commissioning prayer from Jesus, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, which I think is ultimately what the talk should be anyways. And it might have been that all along um, because this is our last session for the Life in the Spirit seminar and we are to go out and we're to go and spread the gospel. But I'll hand this out right now so you guys can look at it while I'm talking. Um, I keep forgetting to hit record. Okay, so part of my talk I'm going to be taking out of, this is a book that JP2 wrote for priests, but um, when I was sitting in my house trying to figure out um, what I should be talking about and where I should be taking my talk from, um, the Holy Spirit put into my mind this book for some reason, and so I like, was like, okay, well I need to get up and do this right now because I'll forget about this book right away, knowing my brain. So I went and um, picked it up, and I opened it to, um, I opened it to part of this book, and it says, or it's and it's on a catechesis, which I think is um, a key thing for anybody, any Catholic to know is the catechism. But um, the talk's just going to flow from a couple of different things I take from this book. Um, there's two different parts, and then I think there's one other part. But anyways. Um, so it start, starts off with, and he's talking to priests, but I think we can all take this in as um, just the laity. Um, we have been entrusted with the mission to go and make disciples of all nations. In today's social context, we do this best through catechesis, which should be based both upon reflection on the Gospels and on our understandings of things of this world. We need to understand the experiences of the people around us and the language they use to communicate. This is an important task for the church. Pastors must be generous in sowing the seed. We must be generous in sowing the seed, even though others will gather the harvest of their labors. I tell you, look up and see the fields ripe for the harvest. The reaper is already receiving his payment and gathering crops for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper can rejoice together. For here the saying is verified that one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have done the work, and you are sharing the fruits of their work. We fully realize that catechesis cannot rely solely on abstract concepts. Obviously, they are necessary because when we speak of supernatural realities, we cannot avoid the use of philosophical concepts. And this is getting a little bit, a little bit deep, but... Catechesis, however, gives a priority to the human person and the personal encounter through signs and symbols. Catechesis is always love, and that's a key thing because my talk is mainly based on love and responsibility, a responsibility born of love for those whom we meet on our journey. The new catechism of the Catholic Church, which was presented to JP2 for approval in 1992, came to birth because of the de desire to make the language of the faith more accessible. So this the catechism was given to us out of love so that it could be more accessible to us and we need to take advantage of it. Um, the image of the Good Shepherd used as the logo on the cover of every edition of the catechism is highly significant. It is taken from a third century Christian tombstone found on the cat catacombs of Domitila, which ultimately actually Constantine saw before he um, had his victory with Christ where he saw this, the cross in the sky and they won this battle 
he saw that and he was converted from that, from seeing that. The figures suggest certain characteristic aspects of a catechism, Christ the Good Shepherd, who leads and protects his faithful, the Lamb, by his authority, draws them by the melodious symphony of truth. And, okay, yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, so Jesus isn't trying to t touch everybody's heart in the same way. And I think that's a key thing to understand, because he is not speaking to all of us in the same language. He's not trying to touch our hearts in the same way that he might touch your sisters or brothers. He seeks us out individually, knowing our aches and pains, and knowing our joys and triumphs. You may wonder why I'm talking about, specific, or talking about this specifically as you in this situation when the Great Commission is asking us to go out and make disciples of all the nations. I'm talking about you first because you need to put in the work, the hard work, that not everybody wants to do. Because when you want to go and make disciples and you want to have a fruitful life and a fruitful um, faith in Jesus, you need to do the hard work. And sometimes it's, it is really hard to do because there's, like even looking at that image, you see that and it, there's something in your heart that maybe opens up and breaks, but there's also something that might block you from like feeling that full that full effect of that picture. Like you look at it and you're like, oh, I don't want to look at that. Like that, I caused that, that was from me. And it's sometimes hard to, oh, did that lock? There's a lock button on there. Okay, never mind. She got it. Um, but it also helps us to have a deeper surrender if you look at these images and you allow yourself to be touched by these because it is hard to look at. Um, but for the most part, it has to do to reach new heights in your faith and your faith life and in your life in general. A deeper surrender every day to have a deeper understanding of our hearts. And that ultimately is what we need to be able to touch other people's hearts. We need to have a better understanding of our hearts and what causes our hurts and pains. And I think it's sometimes, like, I don't know, I, I didn't hear a lot about it, like understanding, like, why we, we react certain ways, like why, like somebody does something and you get really annoyed about it and you don't understand why. And sometimes it just has to depend on your mood, but sometimes it has to do with something deeper. And that's a good thing to realize, like if you have, like are short with somebody, why are you reacting this way? Like, that's what I'm talking about when you have a deeper understanding of your heart. Um, you each have a heart and a gift for something specific that God has given you and nobody else. And he is asking you to use it because he has given it to you and nobody else. You are specifically here because he still needs to use your gift that nobody else has on this earth. There are thousands, millions and billions of people on this earth and you only have this one specific gift that he has given you to touch. Maybe it's one more heart or maybe it's 20 more hearts that only you could reach. Um, okay. Making disciples requires time, love, and effort. You are not always guaranteed to see the fruit, as we were talking about. Um, but your joy in heaven will be great if you follow the Lord's promptings in your heart. It will give you a better sense of compassion and understanding for those around you as well when you have a deeper understanding of your heart. When you understand your heart and you have compassion for yourself, it helps you to have a deeper compassion for others. Personally, like when I um, started going to therapy and I started doing work on myself, I act it actually helped me 
be more aware of myself and how I react to certain things, but it also helped me to be more um, receptive to people when they would come to me with their, with their hurts and pains. It would help me to just be able to sit there and listen. And a lot of the time before when I wasn't going to therapy per se, I would want to problem solve because that was my thing. I, like, I thought, oh, these people are coming to me because they're looking for a solution. But ultimately they're just coming because they want somebody to hear them and to listen. Um, and I think that's like a good thing to understand. It's not always like, not everybody's coming to you to just have you listen. Maybe they do want um, you to say something, but being receptive of that and being receptive of others. Um, and I also want to talk about one, the gift of, that is art in a way, but also the gift of beauty and love because that is beautiful in a way that is hard to look at, but it also, is a beauty where it breaks open our hearts to be more receptive, to receive the love that God is trying to give us. So people's hearts are reconverted over and over again through beauty. So if you go to like a museum or you hear a beautiful poem or music, your heart's opened up, like it brings you joy. You listen to these happy songs or you go to a mass at a cathedral and it's this beautiful mass or like you go to an ordination for a priest where they have like the trumpets playing and everything and it's like this all out like oh my gosh it's so beautiful and it feels like that's what heaven might be like but that opens up your heart and it makes you excited and gets you ready or like excited to share the faith with everybody and that's what i think the big picture is like heaven eternity being with god and the saints but the everyday is a lot harder your gifts it's not like that every day your gifts are whatever they may be what the gift of hospitality, the gift of loving people while making people feel seen, being funny or creative, that beauty is what transforms the heart in the everyday life. And to piggyback off of what my Auntie Catherine was talking about last week, that we each have individual gifts, which I already said, that nobody else has. And I think it's good for you to identify that and understand that you do have an individual gift that nobody else has. You've been through these certain struggles in your life for a reason, and it's not for a negative reason. It's God let you go through these things so that you can speak to the hearts of those similar people who have gone through similar things that you have. It's not, it's not always the easiest, but it's what, it's what he's given you for a reason. Like I've gone, or I've been, I've had depression and suicidal tendencies and people would come to me to speak to me about that, that they, they wouldn't be comfortable talking to anybody else. And I had these crazy encounters with these teenagers um, when I did Totus Tuus one year, and I gave them my witness about having depression, and um, you meet these people, and these people come to you, and they share your, their hearts with you, that if you didn't have the courage, or if you didn't even go through that, you wouldn't have this experience with this person, and you wouldn't have this great encounter with them that actually ultimately helped them um, love God even more and grow deeper in their faith even more, um, because one of the people that I talked to when I did that, um, she didn't go to confession for like three years. And she, we were sitting in confession for totus to us, like they had a little holy hour for all the kids to go to confession. And um, she came up to me and patted me on the shoulder and she's like, can I go talk to you outside? So we just sat and talked outside for a little while and I just talked to her. And she was ultimately, she was just afraid to go to confession because she thought, the priest would react a certain way if she confessed a certain sin, which I feel like we've all been there. Um, and so we just talked it, talked about it a lot and um, shared our experiences. And 
she was able to go because she felt that sense of, um, or she felt like she was able to be vulnerable with me because I shared a part of my heart with her. And I thought that was really, really great. Um, let's see. Okay, these individual gifts are what, we, what might reach somebody. We may not really know or even know how the gift would reach them, but it is that gift that, any, that only you have that could reach down and reignite that heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants to use you. He wants your cooperation. He could do this all himself, or he could use somebody else, but he chose you. By name, he picked you, every single one of you, to be here tonight. He picked you to be in whosoever lives you're in. You're the mother of these kids because God chose you to be the mother of these kids. You're the grandmother of these kids because God chose you to be the grandmother of these kids. You're the father of these kids. You know, it can go all in all these different directions. You're the co-worker of this person because God chose you to be in that life for that person for whatever reason. Maybe it's just to love them where they're at. Maybe it's not even, maybe you don't even get to the point of sharing the gospel with them. Maybe they just need love. And that's why you're there. You don't, you really don't know. And you might not be able to see the fruit, like what we were talking about. You might not see the fruit of this seed that you're planting. But it would be, it will be worth it when you get to heaven to be able to see how you touch these people's hearts. Um, do not ever... Okay, by name he picked you. Do not ever doubt your chosenness and the gifts that you were given. There's a reason humans have such a love for the arts. It awakens something in our souls. It stirs our hearts, and it breaks them open. You cannot be used to awaken dry bones without this love and without being broken open to receive that love. And what is the source of that love? God, the God of love, who's the very essence of love. You cannot have that love unless you cultivate that relationship with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is love, and Jesus demonstrates that love to us by dying on the cross, and, and the Holy Spirit breathes that love to make a new and restorative love in our lives and hearts of not only us, but those around us. God has given you the gift that he's, he's given it to you with the mission that it should be shared. Love is what draws people in, and love is what heals. Love gives new life, and love can transform an entire environment. And love is our destination, complete and total, faithful and fruitful love to our God. What does love bring about? And why am I talking about love? I, I'm, I write this down, and I'm like sitting here in my house. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be like, what does love bring about? Like me being all hyped, this is how I picture myself. Sorry, I'm like going off topic, but I usually picture myself in these talks being all crazy and hype up here. And then I get up here and I'm like tired out from my work day. So I'm reading this off and I seem like I'm just reading off of a paper, but really I'm excited. So I hope you, yeah. Anyways, okay. We hear about it all, <laughs> all the time. What more do we need to know? I'm talking about love because love births revival, as I was saying. Love plants a seed for revival to, to sprout and bloom and eventually flourish. You need to choose love every day. When you are living out your prayer life and love for God to its complete capacity, that is how you attract others. And that is how we make disciples of all nations. It is by our love. And they will know we are Christians by our love. Like, that is how, that is what we're known for. We're known for our love. We're not known for anything else other than, obviously, Jesus Christ and the love that he has um, set an example for us in that picture. And also, 
well, never mind, I'll go off that, I'm a little bit. To its complete capacity, how, and that is how you attract others, never doubt the power of praying your rosary daily and the effect it can have on making a tender heart and a loving heart, because it, because it is only with a tenderness and love that we will be able to reach into the depths of a cold heart and bring to life something that this person might have thought was dead forever. Be receptive to the Holy Spirit, and he will help you do what God has asked all of us to. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And pretty much I ultimately showed that to you because I wanted to inspire you. I wanted it to spark a fire in your soul. You look at that, and you're like, Jesus went through all that, and he didn't even, that's not even the full capacity of what he experienced. That is just the beginning of what he experienced in his total suffering on the cross. And the fact that he had to put his back on that cross after and carry that cross on that back and we are not as excited to talk about jesus and what he's done for all of us i think when i look at that it makes me excited and it makes me want to just scream this is this is what he's done for us and how can you not how can you not be inspired to just run throughout the streets and just scream at the top of your lungs that jesus one is here and that he's done this for you, and that you can spend the rest of your life with that person who has shown more love for you in that moment than anyone has ever shown you in your lifetime. And if you just sit and contemplate on that picture for a little bit, I feel like that could just open your heart up to be the person you need to be. If it, and that's why I wanted to print it off, because I was like, that's a picture that you can, like, I don't know if anybody would want to hang that up on their fridge, but keep in your prayer book to look at because there are days where it's hard and there are days where it's like you get tempted a lot and you don't, I don't know, we all get tempted so we know what it feels like. You want to give in sometimes, you get angry. Literally just before I came over here, I had to pray my rosary because I was so annoyed with somebody and I was like, I can't be annoyed before my talk. I, I got to be happy. I'm not going to come in here being all crabby and everything so i literally had to sit down pray my rosary so that i would chill out and have a joyful heart and it worked of course um but that's the thing like yeah we need to be receptive and we need to um i mean i shouldn't be saying we need to be doing this but i think um contemplating on jesus's passion is what ultimately will help you um bring about more disciples and bring people back to the church is contemplating on that because it will open our hearts up to being more receptive to his love and ultimately being able to spread his love to the world. So yeah, that's my talk. Thank you. You did a really good job. There's a lot of things that I wrote down on here as she was talking and I'm thinking about with my life. But um, I think in my younger years, um, there was that the country song, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. I think most of us have probably heard that. And, um, you know, we were raised at a good Catholic home and stuff, too. And we, there were seven seven kids and, and that. And um, my parents, my mom stayed home. My dad worked. Um, we spent all our summers out to Second Sand Beach. I'm just still like this beach kid every summer. It's like, oh, my gosh, i got to go to the beach. i got to go to the beach and stuff. Um, we did a lot of really good things. You know, there were always difficulties in our families too, just like everybody else's and stuff and that. But as I started to get a little bit older, like Jess was saying, like in my teen years, later teens, I started to, to suffer a lot of um, depression, um, anxiety, and um, just a lot of stuff going on and um, didn't know how to cope. And when you said, when you were talking about 
learning how to respond. I've, I never learned until later in life how to respond to a situation instead of reacting, because so often I was always reacting to something going on as I got older. I didn't understand that. I didn't know a difference between a want and a need. Um, it was really, it was really crazy. So as I, you know, we just, we learn to cope. We all d develop coping skills when we're growing up, whether they're good or bad. And, um, you know, as we got out of high school and stuff and there was the drinking and the bars and the men and, you know, it was just a uh, part of the whole, the circle, but the depression was always there. Um, the sadness and, and, um, I always remember in, um, I don't know if it was in the song, but we always have this little hole that's right in our heart. We're trying to fill it. That's why the one looking for love in all the wrong places. I mean, you know, there's just so many different ways that we could go and fill it until, until I become really, really sick. I mean, I was able to cope pretty good and, um, you know, but then like when I was listening to Jess, like with the suicidal tendencies and thoughts and um, going into the hospital and, and different things and not knowing how to get through the things that were bothering me. So being in, in um, oh, um, different groups, both were prayer groups, um, going to retreat, still it just, it was a, it's a long, long, long process and stuff. And um, I kind of like, you know, when I was going to church, I was going to confessions, I was doing everything we were supposed to be doing, but it just was, nothing was getting better and stuff and that. And I remember going to um, a prayer group downstate when I lived in Traverse City. And it was of a, it was a, um, I don't even know, all denominational or whatever, but I'd never been to something like that. And they prayed over me, and I, I remember just crying and crying and crying through the whole thing and stuff and that, and I didn't even know why or whatever. I was filled with so much shame and so much guilt and so much hurt and sadness inside that I couldn't, I never could look up to God. I never could see past that. And like Father Corey's been saying lately, you know, we have our problems here but we have to look up to God. We have to get out of that little hole and that little box and to see him. And, you know, I never knew about praise and worship. We had that all the time, but I never, and even like today, sometimes when something's going on and it, like I was listening to Jess and we get kind of down and out and all of a sudden you go pray your rosary or you go and you start praising God. I, we, even though we were taught those things, we never did that or un, at least I did it. I didn't even understand it. So that's one of the things with this prayer group and stuff too. You just grow and you start to like around people that are praising God, really learning to praise God and worship him and thank him and like coming together. Um, and I don't know today, it's like, um, and I went to Medjugorje in 1991. Um, I know some of you people have, some have been to Lourdes, some have been to Fatima, but oh my gosh, all day long, all day long, all my books from Medjugorje just kept popping up, popping up, and popping up in front of me, and I'm just like, I think in Berger County, you know, we, we want to go to like these, like Lourdes, and we want to go to Fatima, and, and many of us get to go maybe once in a lifetime, but the understanding, like, like Jess was saying, because we've been through, say, depression, anxiety, we've been through abuse, we've been through alcoholism, eating disorders. I mean, there's so many things people have been through and, you know, loss and grief and um, loneliness or oppression, um, 
grief of we don't we just don't know how to respond to a lot of this and um, one of the things that I always think of the five things that we learned in Medjugorje, of Medjugorje, and, and it's what the gospel teaches us. It's to go to Mass, to reconcile yourself with God and with one another, going to reconciliation or making amends to each other, to pray, especially the rosary. Pray the rosary every day and go to Mass as, as often as you can. These are all healing. Go to reconciliation. Um, fasting. Fasting is another way. Um, reading holy good, holy books, reading the Bible, um, receiving the Holy Communion as often as you can. And that's, you know, that's like a whole transformation in life where there was so much chaos and so much hurt and just um, because, like, like I was less, it was so amazing to listen to you, Jess, because I was just kind of like, wow, that's like what I was going to say. Wow, that's like what I was going to say. Because that transformation comes around from, it, and it doesn't mean it's still going to be a perfect day, a perfect life, because even though we've healed, sometimes in this, some, something's going to happen in our life, and all of a sudden it's going to go, like it's going back to PTSD. It's like, oh my gosh. And, it, and you just kind of fall right down, and then you have to like crawl and get back up again and stuff. And then you have to start saying, okay, okay, I know I can praise God, I can, and I can call somebody. I can ask somebody on the prayer group. And that, to me, to have this group, it is just so amazing. You know, we can, just to call your friend, just to call him and say, well, I'm having a really bad day, or can we get together and praise and worship and that. Um, so, I'm not, and I would love the, the talk about lately from complaining to thankfulness, learning how to turn all that negative that thoughts that are going on into a positive or praise and worship and that, and, um, so I, I don't know, all I know is Our Lady was saying, talk about, and I don't think it's just Medjugorje itself. I think it's the things that we do. We're, Berta County, we know, is struggling so much from alcoholism, so much from drug abuse, um, so many people struggling not knowing God, um, the illnesses, loss and grief, you know. And I, I think it's like we want to run to these places all around the world to fix and to help everybody. But if we look at our neighbor, our brother, our sister, our parent, a friend, um, you know, it's amazing that I think if we look just right here, um, and that's what I think she was saying today. I think our mother says, I'm right here with all of you, my children. And that's why I've chosen each one of you to be here. Because she wants us to be the spark, the help, the healer. Um, and it's not easy. I have to laugh. Um, I was asked by my son to watch my little eight-year-old grandson. We thought it was just going to be like maybe five days a week or whatever and stuff. Well, it's turned out to be the whole summer. And I've kind of been able to like kind of come and go and, you know, plan some of these things and, and go here and stuff. And, and he's become, I, like I said, I know Jackie and some of you guys, he, he tells me in the morning, he says, Grandma, Put on that mask. I'm be, I'll be watching the news a little bit. Eight o'clock rolls around, and I'm riding my exercise bike. He says, Grandma, put on that mask. So I, he, now he knows how to get to EWTN. He's putting it on, and he's praying the rosary at home, even though we're not saying everything. And then he said, last week, it was so sweet. Father was gone for that week, and he come, we came to church last week, and he says, you know what? I really miss Father Corey. And, uh, and I said, well, when he gets here, you know, go up and tell him. So we get here early, eight o'clock, and our quarter to eight and he's helping me he carries the 
the wine and the water with me. And I mean, he's just, just loving this. This eight-year-old doesn't go to church otherwise and doesn't know it. And I said, go tell him. So Father Corey was standing up here, and Jody goes up there, and he walks up to him, and he says, Father Corey, I really missed you. And he gave him this great big hug, and he's just standing right here. And I'm back there like, oh, my gosh. And Father Corey, I never saw this grin. He just lit up like this little Christmas tree, like, oh, my gosh. And, you know, he might be that little light that their family really needs. He, um, you know, every family has a lot of stuff going on. But when I see him and then, like, I, I told him, well, Deacon Brandon's leaving after this week. Well, where is he going and stuff? I said, well, you know, it's like when you go from kindergarten to first grade and first grade to second grade. And I said, he's here for a while and growing and learning. And now he's going to go like to the next grade. And he might go to like to Marquette or wherever and stuff. And I said, we'll make sure we'll get a, um, his address and, you know, get a little gift for him and stuff in that. But we don't know, you know, for me to, for me to have this little boy all summer long. And even though sometimes I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm like so tired. He comes at 7.15 in the morning and leaves at 3.30. It's like, I'm thinking, wow, this is, this is a little Medjugorje. He's like learning. I mean, who would have ever taught him learning, wanting to pray the rosary, wanting to go to Mass, either here or on TV, EWTN. He'll go turn, I don't want to watch that news. He said, put EWTN on. Just like, oh my goodness, you know. So, um, yeah, even though we're all going through different things and we've been pretty low and we get back up and it, God wants us just to, you know, I think keep looking to him and um, continue to come. But I want to read this. This I had this written down in one of my books too and it just kind of kept coming back to me today also. Um, a reading from the book of Colossians. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If one has a grievance against another, as the Lord has forgiven you, so must you also do. And over all these things put on love. That is the bond of, protect, of perfection. And we've talked so much about love tonight. I mean, love is like the main thing we've been talking about. And let the peace of Christ control your hearts, the peace into which you were also called in one body. And be thankful that the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as in all wisdom. You teach and admonish one another, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So, um, yeah, I was, Jess, I, I was amazed at how much you talked. I think there's a real confirmation that we're all, we all have struggles, we're all going through things, but we're still here. This is a small Medjugorje compared to going over there. And I, I just think the needs, and yeah, we get tired and it's hard sometimes and we wanna do other things, but that phone call sometimes or that person you're gonna meet, sometimes in a gas station, I'll just be there and someone will start talking to me about they were abused or that they're, you know, someone died or it's the earth the depression you know it's just amazing where you're going to be standing and someone will just start to talk to you or you're right there and and uh so yeah he's going to put us in sometimes crazy places and that and uh so i think yeah we're we're here in berga county and uh that's where god wants us to be and um especially you know to help people so 
So learning to look for love in the right places changes from the wrong places. <laughs> I love that song, but I'm like, that's what it is. So, but thank you, everybody. <laughs>